All right, there we go. Hey, good morning, everybody. Glad you guys are with us. We uh, are on week number four of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Ghosted. But before we get that, let me, I'm going to actually rewind and do uh, kind of part B of the announcements. How about that? I apologize. We, we, we Just a couple things that have come up. Number one is I will just mention as well uh, with, with the, we have our, we're having our stakeholders meeting after service next week. As Tammy mentioned, it's going to be uh, to affirm um, elders, and there are bios on the back sheet, or on the back table, little sheets that have a little bit about uh, the candidates, but also uh, we have to make some constitutional changes legally to be able to function that way, both to add membership and, uh, and to have elders. And so we've uh, got a couple of samples on the back table. We also sent an email to you uh, about 10 days ago that's got a link in there. We'll resend it on Tuesday. So be looking out for that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I think it should be a fairly quick meeting after church uh, next week. And if, you've, if you come prepared, those of you that are going to be here and that want to be a part and have already looked over stuff, that'll keep us from having to go through uh, every little detail in that we can kind of just uh, kind of make do some voting, do some of those kinds of things, and then move on, okay? So that would be really helpful. We really appreciate that. Second thing, and I know some of you have been really waiting for this, and so our kids' ministry team has been working uh, their tails off trying to get ready, and we are excited to announce that starting next Sunday, we are going to be opening our uh, older kids' uh, ministry as well. So we'll have zero uh, through sixth grade. We'll be able to come and, uh, and have kids' ministry available. So can we give our, our, our team a hand? Yeah. They've been working tirelessly at that, so super excited to announce that. And uh, with that, why don't I pray for us, and we're going to get going for today. Father, thanks so much uh, for worship. Thanks for time to draw near to you. Thanks for your spirit who is present and who is uh, drawing us close to Jesus, drawing us close to you, God, drawing us uh, and just keeping us uh, in your presence all the time, uh, reminding us of what you've taught us, <laughs> reminding us of... Uh, and well, and even prompting and opening up uh, opportunities for us to uh, to live as Jesus did, to do the things Jesus did, and to say the things that Jesus said. I pray now, God, as we as we look into your word this morning, uh, would you speak? Would you minister through your Spirit? Would you draw us close, and uh, and really just speak and minister to each one of us individually, exactly where just meet us where we are, and uh, and draw us to meet your kingdom, God. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, well, like I mentioned, we're on week four of a series we're doing called Ghosted. It's, it's, we're talking about the Holy Spirit as we journey through the book of Acts. And in October, November, maybe even the first week of December, we'll see we are doing kind of a whirlwind trip through the book of Acts. And we've been asking you to, uh, to kind of read along and, and uh, in, your, in your kind of reading time during the week, take five or ten minutes a day, read a chapter a day. And so it's accountability time, and this is not a shame-based <laughs> thing, but just to kind of just to kind of say, how many of us have been, at some point, have been reading you know, through the book of Acts during the week. You've been reading some of it. Is that, can I see some hands? So, okay, there's, there's a few of us uh, that have been doing that. Appreciate that. Uh, and you get little gold stars next to your name. This isn't a shame thing for those that aren't, but let me just encourage you and just say, man, uh, part of how we learn to hear the Holy Spirit and part of how we learn uh, to respond to him and to hear his voice, part of, and even Romans tells us that part of, like, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of God. And so part of how we do that is by opening up God's book throughout the week and, and listening to it. And I'm amazed at how often uh, I'll open up God's book and I'll read something in the morning and that day there's opportunity where the Holy Spirit brings it up again and says, speak this or be reminded of this or whatever. It's, it's the way, part of the way that God speaks to us. And so I would encourage you to be doing that. For those of us that have been kind of on this journey together, have been, uh, whether, whether it be through reading the, the book of Acts or even praying for boldness and opportunities, looking for ways that we can be witnesses, uh, even just recognizing the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, I wonder, and again, this is crazy bold, I get it, but like, I wonder if anybody has seen the Holy Spirit at work sometime over the last month or so as we've been doing this journey. Do anybody have any stories? Any brave people want to want to chime in? I'll get the ball rolling. I got a text uh, or a Facebook message yesterday uh, from, I share this with permission, by the way, <laughs> so no worries, but uh, from Michelle, who uh, who's an ignite, igniter, um, and she I'll just read you what she said before she texted me. She said, so I just did something completely out of my comfort zone. She said, I just prayed over a coworker. She's like, she had just uh, had a possible positive patient, a COVID positive patient, uh, come into a registration 
booth. She's very pregnant. She was very scared. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you should pray for her. And she's like, and I did. <laughs> so, she's like, so she was like, so I asked if I could pray over her. And she said yes. And I prayed. And then she thanked me when I was done. And, she, and I just was like, you know what? Way to go. I was like, just, just for perspective, this is what happened. The living God just spoke to you and directed you to minister to another human being. Like, and you responded and said yes. I'm like, that is how the kingdom of God busts into our world, right? Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, pray this way. Pray, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth right here in my life, in our world as it is in heaven. And I was like, and you just got to be a part of that. How awesome is that? Just a small way. Anybody else have, have opportunities where you feel like the Holy Spirit's nudged you this week or you've sensed his leading or, or, or anything else like that? Anybody? Like, I didn't, but maybe I have a friend who did. No, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. you got an opportunity to be a witness. You felt like the Holy Spirit nudged you, and you did. Good. Way to go. That's awesome. Praise God. So I w- here's, the, here's kind of the point, right? And, and, and again, this is just opportunity I get. It's probably easier for extroverts to share than introverts in this setting. I get it. But, but here's the thing is we just want to be going through this era and this season with our eyes starting to open more and more to how is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And when he prompts us, like, you know, we'll, and as, again, as we're, as we're being emboldened uh, as we read through Acts and as we go through the series, would you be willing to step out and follow the Spirit's prompting and just do the things that Jesus did and pray and say the things that Jesus said, right? Just opportunities to be a witness in our world. And so kind of be on the lookout for those things. Well, today we want to continue our journey. I'm going I'm to kind of do a little bit of Acts chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of Acts chapter 7, a little bit of Acts chapter 8, and a little bit of Acts chapter uh, is it 11 or 12, 11. And, uh, and, and we're going to talk about this whole issue of stepping out of our comfort zones because so often I think the Holy Spirit is prompting us. I, I read a quote this week from Tozer who says this. He says, uh, most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided that we're not going to do what he says. I'm like, gulp. And I'm like, you know what, I think there's, there's some truth behind it. Because we're like, man, I don't want to be a freak. I don't want to have to step out of my comfort zone. I like it. Like, it's one thing to do it here in church, right? Like, we're all together and we're in this together. We can talk about God. But to go out there and to step out, that's a scary thing. And so today I want to talk about, and we're going to learn some lessons about stepping out of our comfort zones and into the realm of the Spirit, right? Into the realm of faith where God is working and moving and changing lives and hearts and busting in to human history. And so I want us to, to kind of zero in on that. I think sometimes we want, <laughs> I mean, we want to experience more of God and we want to know more of His Spirit and more of His, Him speaking to us, but we want to do it in our, in our little safety bubbles. But that's often not how it works. Even as we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, with two of the uh, disciples slash apostles uh, walking into the temple courts and there's a guy there that's par- that's been paralyzed his whole life and uh, and they say to him silver and gold have I not but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ stand up and walk and he does right but but it's interesting the power wasn't there they didn't get to see it work before they said anything did they I mean like <laughs> there, there had to be a little moment where they felt the fear in their gut so to speak where they had an opportunity that where the spirit was nudging them saying why'd you go pray for this guy why'd you go heal this guy and they had a moment where they had to like ah, God I don't it's safe over here and I don't but where they stepped out and they got to see God work. And oftentimes, I wonder if the power isn't there. And God's just, God is more than, up. Jesus' name is more than strong enough, more than powerful enough. The Holy Spirit is more than up to the task to bring power into our lives, to bring God's kingdom to come into this world. If we'll step out in faith, if we'll follow him and respond to him 
and do what Jesus did and say what Jesus said, right? I mean, it's, it's that kind of a thing. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, kind of stepping out of our comfort zone, moving beyond our comfort zones and into the realm of faith. Well, last week, uh, just to kind of remind you of where, where we are in the story, last week we talked about a potential riff uh, that happened in the early church between Hebrew-speaking Jews, right, Hebraic Jews, and Hellenistic Jews, which is a fancy word that means everybody else that doesn't speak Hebrew, right? All the people uh, kind of around uh, the world that were Jewish in that day um, but didn't speak Hebrew, weren't, weren't natural native speakers. And so we said there's, there was a potential rift that happened because they're like, hey, uh, you're, the, the, uh, the Hebrew Jews and their, especially their widows are getting preferential treatment while you're overlooking everybody else because you've kind of done one of these. Like, well, we're up here and they're down there. Well, let their people take care of them and some of that kind of stuff. Like, there's a potential division. It gets brought to the, uh, to the church's attention, the church leader's attention, and they respond well. Instead of, instead of having a split in the church, they move together in unity. And part of how they solved this is by taking it seriously, but they appointed seven different people. They said, here's the thing. In fact, they said to the, to, to the non-Hebrew speaking uh, people in the church, they said, you know, why don't you appoint seven people that you know are full of the spirit, full of, right, full of faith, just the right kind of people. Find seven of those, and we are going to empower them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to give them resources, and we're going to allow them to minister, not just to the Hebrew-speaking widows, but to, to all of them, right? To all the people that are in need in that day and age. And so they do. And so one of the people that they end up... Um, one of the seven that they end up choosing is a guy by the name of Stephen. And Stephen is who we're going to start out reading about today. He's awesome. And so we're just going to go on record right now and say that. I want you to pay attention as we, as we read about him in, in Acts 6, uh, starting with verse 8. And keep in mind, it's been about 10 years now since Jesus has risen. It's been about 10 years since he commissioned his followers. And it's what we've been talking about, Acts 1-8 this whole time, right? It's been about 10 years since he said to his followers, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, which is where they were in their city, in, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? That's the commission that God had given to them. It's been about 10 years, and, and how far do you think they've made it? They are still in Jerusalem. So it's been 10 years. They've received power when the Holy Spirit came on them, and they have been witnesses in Jerusalem. But they're like, it's really quite nice here. <laughs> I mean, like, they're like, this is, this is great. In fact, the church here, they're like family. They're amazing. They've received power. And they're like, I mean, it'd be easy to sit there. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that church, right? It'd be amazing. Be sit back and be like, well, Peter, when Peter preaches a message, I mean, shazam, right? My jaw is on the ground. It's like God is in the room. He walked with Jesus. I mean, think of when, when Peter preaches. Oh, and when Mary Magdalene leads worship, it's like the Holy Spirit is right there, right? I mean, like, and when she prays, I can see the face of God. I mean, like, it's, who would want it? There's miracles, there's signs that are happening. Who wouldn't want to be a part of the church, right? It'd be real easy just to be like, you know what, this is, these are our people, we're comfortable. Sure, do we care about the people out there that don't know Jesus? Oh, yeah, that would be good. I, I really hope that somebody uh, picks up the mantle and goes and reaches them. I really hope, I really hope they do. In fact, if the offering bucket comes by, I might throw a couple bucks in so that somebody else can go and be witnesses to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But as for me, I think I'll just stay right here. I like it here. It's just nice here, isn't it? Just kind of comfy and cozy. So that's where we're picking up the story. Did, did I set the, 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 the mood well? You kind of get a picture of what's happening here? All right, so here's, here's what's happening. I want you to pay attention uh, to what's happening, and I want you to just to know and realize from, from, the, from the very beginning that God is behind all of this. Okay, so let's, let's listen. Acts 6, starting with verse 8, says this. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. And can I just say, man, when I grow up, I want that to be what's said of me. <laughs> a man full of God's grace and power. Lives in the power of the Spirit. So let's keep going. In fact, you should pay attention to what else gets said about Stephen. Amazing. A man full of God's grace and power. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, and uh, I'll hit pause once again. What we've been talking about throughout Acts, right? This is very common, where there's a, a demonstration of the Spirit's power, and then what happens? Oftentimes there's proclamation, right? There's power, proclamation, and after that usually comes 
persecution, right? Persecution. And I'm a pastor, so they have to all be alliteration or something. But anyway, but right, that, that's what happens. In this, in this instance, I'm sure there has been proclamation, but we're going to see it kind of in the other order. We're going to see power, persecution, and then we'll see proclamation a little bit later. But pay attention to this. Verse 9, opposition arose, um, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Listen to this, verse 10. Uh, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And so they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witness. Uh, false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against the holy place, against the temple, or against the law. For we have heard him say uh, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Again, can I just say Stephen's my man? Like, <laughs> he's my boy. I mean, like, this is crazy cool. The description of Stephen here, I mean, let, think about it. Uh, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave him. Uh, his face was radiant. He was literally displaying or reflecting the glory of God when people looked at him. That's how full of God he was, right? I mean, he's, he was a man of, uh, filled with grace, filled with power, uh, all kinds of stuff. Amazing kind of description. Well, Stephen goes on to preach uh, the longest message in the book of Acts, and so for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize for you. It's about, uh, I don't know, 60 or something verses long uh, in the book of Acts, and kind of describes this teaching, but he kind of goes back, he gets called in uh, before the religious leaders and asked to give an account, and he starts all the way back at the beginning, and he he starts talking about God's work amongst the people from the beginning. So, so he goes through and he starts out and talks about Abraham and how God came to Abraham and called Abraham to follow him by faith. And then he talks about Joseph and talked about how God's faithfulness to Joseph was amazing, how God was with him even when it didn't seem like he was and how God used him to save his people. And then he talks about Moses, who were like, right, who, who, uh, Moved, his, moved God's people from slavery into freedom. And then eventually he talks about David, who uh, reminded us that God isn't just in the temple, but God is with us, period. And you can imagine, as, 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 he is, as Stephen is proclaiming this, you know, you know what he's saying. He's saying, Jesus is the one, right? Jesus is the one who has come to lead us out of captivity into freedom, freedom from our sin, freedom from all kinds of stuff. Jesus is the one who is God with us. He's not just in a temple anymore. He is here among us, lives inside of us for those who put their faith and trust in Christ, right? I mean, he's, he's going against all this kind of stuff. I mean, he's, he's painting a, a pretty amazing picture of Jesus. And then he ends by saying this to the religious leaders, uh, verse 51 says this, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet that your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him too. You who have received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it. Can we just have a collective gulp? <laughs> like, that's how he ends his message. I mean, yeah, so, so he's, now, he, is he wrong? No, he is not wrong. He's, he's saying, and, and identifying correctly, it was actually those religious leaders who actually did pull the, pull the trigger on Jesus' death, right? I mean, they were responsible for having, turning Jesus over to be crucified. There's that kind of stuff. It really was the religious uh, leaders in eras past that killed the prophets. They didn't like what the prophets said. They didn't like what Jesus was saying. They don't like what he's saying. And so he closes with that little thing. How do you think the religious leaders took it? Yeah, yeah, probably not real good. And so we'll pick this up, uh, verse um, 54, and I'm going to read the next few, and you'll see exactly how they took it. When the members of the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. That's not a good sign. Verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven 
and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Can I just say uh, for, for just a second, pause, when it says they began to stone him, here's the thing. We think of stoning as people picking up huge rocks and like pelting people like in like killing people pretty quickly stoning they lived in the desert there weren't like big boulders they would find little rocks and sometimes to stone people would take hours they would put them in the middle sometimes to bind their hands and feet behind them put them down where they would be elevated around them surround him with a pile of rocks and they would just be pelting him so like I said, this could take some time, which explains while well, while he's being stoned, several different things happen, okay? And so that's, that's what's happening. They begin to stone him. It says, meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. You should pay attention to this because he's going to be the central figure for the entire second half of the book, okay? They laid their feet at a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, again, while they were stoning, stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Let me pause and just say, who does that sound like? Right? It sounds like Jesus. In Luke 23, 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he says, he prays. Verse 60, then he fell to his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Again, who does that sound like? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can I just make a quick note just to say Stephen even died like Jesus? Isn't that incredible? He lived like Jesus. He did what Jesus did. He said what Jesus said. And in this, in this instance, he even died the way that Jesus died with the same kind of heart. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And then uh, chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried uh, Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. Verse 3, And Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Let me pause there and just stop there. For a second. Now, there's all kinds of amazing stuff in this passage. Again, I go back to Stephen imitating Jesus. I mean, a, 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 we could talk, I could do a whole message on that. Pretty amazing. He, he lives his life in, like Jesus in life, even in death, saying and doing the things that Jesus did. Again, no wonder God chose to use him in such a powerful way. Somebody with a heart like Jesus could also look at and talk about, and again, I could, I could spend a lot of time just talking about that pattern again that we're seeing of, of the Spirit's power being poured out about the powerful proclamation uh, of the gospel and then um, the persecution that comes to the church. And yet, even in spite of unbelievable persecution, which we're going to see, the mission of Jesus keeps moving forward, even though they arrest and they, they try to kill even disciples and apostles, even though they warn them. In this case, they even did kill him. Even though there's all kinds of this kind of stuff, the mission of Jesus keeps moving forward. They keep warning them, don't speak any longer in the name of Jesus. We, we read this last week, and they come out after being whipped and flogged, they come out rejoicing that they got to suffer for the name of Jesus. And what they do, they went out and they told more people about Jesus. They, they, no matter what happens, nothing could stop the Holy Spirit from driving the mission forward. We see it again and again and again. So this is kind of what I'm getting at. And, and, and I'm going to talk about kind of for the rest of our time is but God is the one that's behind it. Even though the church in Jerusalem, it's been a decade, and the church in Jerusalem are still just here, and they're in their little holy huddle, right? We're, we're having fellowship, and we're praying. We're having amazing worship, and the teaching, right? It's good stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of great stuff going on, miracles and signs and wonders, but they have forgotten the mission that Jesus has given them. And so uh, undoubtedly has the Spirit been prompting them, hey, there's the Samaritans out there. There's the ends of the earth. There's people out there dying without Christ. 
dying and headed to a Christless eternity. There's Undoubtedly, there's been opportunity. There's been the Spirit prompting, and yet they've stayed, and they've stayed, and they've stayed, and they've stayed, and they've stayed. And, and as often happens when, when the church of Jesus Christ, when God's people refuse to go, God raises the temperature. He raises the temperature. He raises the pain level in our lives. Sometimes so that the mission of Jesus will move forward in our world. And that's what God's doing here in Acts. I, I remember reading uh, one time about eagles, the way they build their nest. Maybe you've heard this uh, before, but eagles, uh, like bald eagles, when they make their nest, the mama, mama eagle uh, will put in, on, at the beginning, she'll put in all kinds of like branches and like sharp rocks like sticks and all kinds of weird things. And you're like, that does not sound like a very comfortable nest. But then they pat it with like uh, feathers and hides and stuff from, the, from things they've killed. I don't know if that's good or bad. But anyway, but like to make it really soft and they, they put the, the, the eggs are in there and then the, eventually the, the young eagles. And uh, when the, the eagles get to um, a time when it's a, about time for them to fly, it's real easy for the eagles, just to, the young eagles, to be pretty comfortable. They're like, man, this is a sweet pad, right? I mean, we got it made here. Mom brings us food. Like, it's sort of like, it's sort of like some uh, middle-aged uh, people living in their parents' basement, right? Like, mom brings us food. Our bills are paid for. It's pretty comfortable. It's delightful. And at about that time, the mom starts ripping apart the nest, right? Ripping out the, the fur and the feathers and the, all kinds of stuff, revealing the sharp rocks and the the sticks and stuff that are underneath, and it starts getting less and less and less and less and less comfortable for these young eagles until they get to the point where they stretch their wings and they fly, right? It's, and I'm like, man, that is, that is, I love the image of that because I'm like, that's what God does with his church sometimes. We're like, no, I'm not ready. I don't know enough. I'm not sure I can do that. I like it here. It's comfortable here. And, and he's, he's like, you'll receive Power, right? Remember, we talked about dynamis, explosive, unbelievable kinds of power that is available to you, that's, that's filled, that is inside of you. And there's power in the name of Jesus. I've done everything you need to go and to be witnesses. And so, and, and, as, and the more we stay, the more God starts ripping the nest up and making things a little bit uncomfortable and saying, okay, it's, it's time to go. It's time to stretch your wings and fly. It's time to move and step into all the good stuff that God has in store for you. And I think that's what, that's what God is doing to the church in the book of Acts. I think that's what God's doing to the church today. Right? He's, he's reminding us, we've got a mission. There's a world full of people that desperately need Jesus. And as long as we stay in our comfy little lives, sooner or later, God starts turning up the temperature. He starts ripping out the soft, comfy lining so that we'll go to follow, to be filled, to live out the mission and the purpose of Jesus, to live in the kingdom of God. Now, there's a little sarcasm that's actually going on in, in this passage, towards the end of this passage that I'm going to kind of, I want to talk about for a second. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Um, if you go, uh, the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, their biographies about Jesus, about his followers, it talks, it, there's a word that gets used um, for followers of Jesus that's talked about again and again and again and again. What, what word do they use in the Gospels to talk about followers of Jesus? They're called, they're called what? Disciples, right? They're called disciples. And that's the word, and disciple means what? Follower, learner, student, right? One that becomes like their teacher, right? It's, it's, it's that kind of a thing. It's a disciple, a follower, a student, or whatever. That's what they're referred to. Jesus calls people to be his disciples, to become like him, to, to learn to say what he said and do what he did, right? It's a disciple, it's a learner. In the book of Acts, the, the exact same people that were referred to as disciples are not called disciples anymore. In fact, sometimes, I'll, I'll go back, in the, in the gospel, some, the word disciple can mean a lot of things. Sometimes when they're talking about the disciples, they're talking about anybody that's a follower of Jesus, right? We're disciples. Are we disciples? Yes. Uh, sometimes it's referring to the 12. It'll say the disciples, meaning the 12 kind of main disciples that were following Jesus, right? Sometimes, so it can mean some different things, but typically, right, it's student. It's, it's, it's that kind of an imagery. Well, the same people that were called disciples over here in the book of Acts are called what? They're called what? Apostles. What does apostle mean? 
Apostle means sent ones, right? Ones that go out, ones that are sent out on mission. And I think there's something fascinating about this here, right? Like in the New Testament model, people that are disciples always become apostles. In other words, we're, we're not just... the. There's a season where we are students, and of course, to some degree, we always are. We're always students of Jesus. We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always whatever. But it's not like we stay there forever. Sometimes the temptation, especially for us in America, that we like to, we think Christianity is about what we think. It's about what we know. We like to become students, and so we learn and 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 learn. And at some point, God's like, yeah, you forgot the second half of the equation, right? You know plenty. You are empowered by the Spirit of God, called to live out the mission of God. Now go, right? He starts ripping stuff up and saying, push you out of the nest. It's time for you to fly. In the New Testament, disciples become apostles every time. If we don't, it's because something's wrong. And to be honest, if we don't, it's probably you can probably feel the temperature rising in your life because God is going to call, is calling you to go. So there's some sarcasm. We see it clearly in this passage. Uh, I think it's it's fascinating. Uh, Acts chapter eight. Again, it's been ten years, and I want you to remember this. Apostles means sent ones, right? Listen to this. Acts eight one uh, verse one and four. Listen to this. On that day, a great persecution broke out uh, against the church in Jerusalem, and all except what does that say? All except the apostles, which it's talking about the 12 or kind of the the core leaders in Jerusalem, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. There's, again, it's a little tongue-in-cheek here, right? Because apostles means to be sent out in the name of Jesus to spread the word, preach the word wherever they go, right? To all all this kind of stuff, to do the things Jesus did, to say the things Jesus said. The only only thing that's ironic in here is the apostles stayed... (laughs) And the rest of the church went. The rest of the church decided, you know, we, we're going to go. And as they went, they preached the word. And people were coming to know Jesus right and left. They were actually living as apostles, even though those that had the title and the, were like the, the big dog apostles, they stayed. And you want to know how, what, what ended up happening as a result of that? The apostles in Jerusalem, you barely hear of again throughout the book of Acts. You barely, I mean, the only, the only way we really hear from them is as, as they intersect with the whole rest of the church that's actually going and actually living their lives as apostles of Jesus, as sent ones to bring the message of Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. We barely hear their names again. Ironically, this is just a little side note for those that were here last week especially. You want to know who went? It was the Hellenists. (laughs) It wasn't primarily the Hebrew-speaking Jews. It was primarily all the rest of them that that scattered during the persecution, and they end up being the cutting edge of where the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. Uh, I'll just uh, remind you, I've got a quote here I guess I can throw up to, J.D. Greer. You got that? So the early church, and again, uh, those that went, those that actually lived as apostles, the early church had no building, no money, no political influence, and yet they turned the world upside down. And it's true. This ragtag group of ordinary non-clergy, ordinary Christ followers, but ordinary followers in whom the Spirit of God dwells went out and they, I mean, they set the world on fire for Jesus. The whole world became Christ followers as a result of them going, of ordinary people. And in fact, it's the, the language that gets used throughout the New Testament is as they went, they made disciples, right? As they went, wherever they were. If they were at the grocery store, they were making disciples. If they were, if they were doing trades, you know, whatever their, their job was, they were talking about Jesus, right? Wherever they were, whatever they were doing, they were bringing the kingdom of God. They were living as apostles of Jesus. Now, am I, I, I'm not saying that the Lord wasn't with Peter and the other apostles in Jerusalem. Was he with them? Yes, of course he was. Was he working in them and through them? Yes, of course he was. But what I am saying is from this point forward in the book of Acts, the focus shifts away from Jerusalem and we barely hear from it again. It shifts towards Antioch, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, which becomes kind of the primary sending church or the primary apostolic sort of church 
in the New Testament. The story moves away from Peter, who up until this point has been sort of the, the main apostle, the main disciple kind of dude. And the story shifts now, and we're going to talk about this the entire time next week. The story shifts to somebody else, a guy by the name of Saul, who in this passage we read is killing Christians and is persecuting them and getting them arrested. And he is doing everything he can to shut them down. Next week we'll see he gets knocked off his high horse, <laughs> bends his knee to Jesus, and all of a sudden he becomes the primary apostle of the second half of the book of Acts. And it's all, and, and where we see the Holy Spirit most at work, where we most experience his power and movement is as the church goes to the rest of the world to bring the gospel. Cool, cool stuff. Um, anyway, let me, let me just keep going here. Uh, I, the thing is, I, I think this, uh, the same thing happens today, right? The same thing happens in every era of the church. There's, there's, a, there's this tension that exists between us staying where we're comfortable and nice and safe and easy and, you know, let the professional Christians do the job, let the pastor types do it and all that kind of stuff. Or are we going to live out our identity as, yes, disciples, but, but disciples who become apostles and who go and who minister in Jesus' name, who are led and directed by the Spirit, who are living to see God's kingdom come down to earth in the here and now, confident in his power and his plans to take the good news about Jesus to the world. There's this tension that exists. Like, am I going to live that out, or am I going to play it safe? And I, I was thinking uh, one of the classic examples. I grew up in a Methodist church, uh, and so I, I, always, um, I always take note of what's happening with the Methodist church and uh, worldwide. And I just think, man, I'm, I'm going to use them as an example, because in the early days of this country, man, the, the Methodist church was set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were. I mean, these are people, ordinary, non-clergy, ordinary people like you and Everybody, everybody in this room, ordinary people were living their lives to help see the mission of Jesus move forward. They were living as apostles. In fact, so, so much so that people would get on, they get done with their job or they get on horseback and they'd go travel out to the frontier to preach about Jesus, to point people back home to Jesus. And as a result, it went from a fairly minuscule uh, group of people to millions and millions to uh, they had millions of members and tens of millions of people uh, that were attenders of the church, most of whom had come to Christ, most of whom had never been to church before. That happened all before 1850, right? I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of people coming to Christ. John Wesley used to say, revival is easy in a country. Let the Holy Spirit set you on fire, and people will come to watch you burn, <laughs> right? And I mean, that, that's how they lived. It was, it was an understanding that every attender of a Methodist church, every member of a Methodist church, it was understood that you have a ministry, you have a calling, that the living God wants to use you to impact the world for Christ, and they lived that out with passion. And the, again, if you, if you look at their growth chart, right, it's, it's like a little meager, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, up and to the right they were growing and growing and growing. In 1850, they made a decision and said, you know what, we think uh, it's time now. I mean, this has been a good little stint, but it's time now. We're going to turn it over. We don't want the like, like just non-clergy type people being witnesses. We don't really want them making disciples. We think that's our job for professional Christians, right? We Seminary trained, right? pastor types, reverend, so-and-so, right? I mean, like this kind of thing, like, and they turn it over. If you, if you, seriously, there's, you can see this on a growth chart. From that point forward, that's the peak. It starts the, the beginning of the decline for the Methodist church, right? We've, we've kind of moved from that disciples become apostles to, no, you stay disciples, and the, this stuff over here is for us professional clergy type people, and you can see the gradual decline. And in, in fact, um, the stats would say, the stats would suggest, in our lifetimes, we will see the bankruptcy and the complete obliteration of the United Methodist Church. It'll probably be, I mean, there might be a few pocket churches here and there, but as a denomination, they will be no more in our lifetime. And I'm not picking on the Methodist Church. This is, again, this is what we see throughout church history, right? We see, in fact, right now in our country, mainline denominations, the stats would say, have 20 Easter's left, 2-0, before they are pretty much all, statistically anyway, gone. They're just gone. They will be no more. And so in, in, in every area, it's, 
and you can see what's happened, right? People that have, have stepped away from the mission of Jesus and said, no, we're just going to stay here. We're going to take care of ours. We're just going to do our little church thing. We're going to, these are nice people. We'll just hang out with them. We'll just be together. It'll be warm and fuzzy and nice. It'll be great. And when we do that, it's like the, the move of the Holy Spirit. God's going to do it anyway, but he just moves beyond them and starts looking for who's, who can I use next? Who's next? And, and then there's churches like ours that have sort of stepped up in this last era, right? As, denom- as mainline denominations have gone down, there's been other churches that have, that have started moving up. But you know what? It's, the last 50 years has been real easy uh, to, to, to start to have churches kind of like ours in, uh, in this country. And there's been opportunity for growth, and they've been bu- building buildings, and they've gotten money, and they've done all this kind of stuff. They've enjoyed a pretty easy uh, time of prosperity. And it's to the point where it's been easy for us to become a little... Uh, apathetic, right? A little, little just lazy, a little bit like, hey, this is just great. We don't have to do anything. If people out there want Jesus, they can come in here, right? Otherwise, we're just going to do our little thing, and it will be fine. And I just feel like we are at an Acts 8 sort of moment in the church, right? Where we're going to, where we each one of us has to decide, what are we going to do? Are, are, are we going to just stay over here in our comfy little discipleship bubble and we're just gonna, we'll worship, just a small group of us will worship and we'll do our thing and we'll learn and 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 learn. Or will we do that and let the Holy Spirit pass us by? Not that he's not still here and present, not that he doesn't live in us, but the primary working of God, watch it move right by so that, so that maybe one day when we're old, we'll look back and think, man, do you remember how God used to work in our lives back there? Or will we, we step from disciple to apostle? Will we allow ourselves to be led and filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses? I love the Michelle story that I shared earlier. I love She's just working at OSF, and she had opportunity where the Holy Spirit nudged her and said, man, would you minister to this other coworker that's freaking out right now? I feel like this is such our Acts 8 moment. I think, in, in fact, let me just go as far as to say this. I wonder, I'll, I'll put it this way. I wonder if in the midst of COVID and presidential elections that are just all whacked, right? I mean, the whole thing is just, uh, I, I don't even care who you like, but the whole thing has been crazy, you got to admit. Or fear, or racial tensions, or with all this upheaval in the world, I wonder if this isn't our opportunity, where, where God isn't kind of behind it, pushing us forward and screaming almost to the church, it's your time! Will you rise up? Will you stand up? Will you say, yes, God, I'm in, right? I'm, I'm all in. Come and fill me. Come and send me out. Come and lead me. Come and guide me. I am yours. Is it, are we willing? It's our Acts 8 moment. Are we willing to step up and step into the mission and the life and the calling that God has for you or are we just going to play it safe are we just going to keep it comfy all right well um, time's getting away from me let me just for those of us that say yeah for those of us that are like god i am in i'm scared of what that means that doesn't mean i have confidence i don't know what that looks like god uh, but i'm in i want to follow you would you would, I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief, right? Like, God, I want to follow you. Help me, embolden me to follow you, to step out when you lead, to share, to pray, to point people to Jesus, to pray for healing, to, to whatever God prompts you to do, to, to actually do it and live it out. For those of us that choose to do it, I just want to read Acts eleven nineteen through 24. This is what happens. This is what you start, you start seeing, and this and so much more. So this and the rest of the book of Acts. But for those who, who say, you know what? No, we are going to be apostles. We are going to go and live our lives like this. This is what it says. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So they're, they've gone to... Uh, they've gone elsewhere. They've gone to Samaria, but they're only teaching to Jews at this point. Verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch, and they began to speak to Greeks also. Now, what's significant about that statement? Greeks represent us, right? Non-Jews, people that aren't, that don't come from a Jewish background. The rest of us Gentiles, this is significant. So they start speaking to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Listen to this, verse 21, and the Lord's hand was with them, And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. 
news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas back to Antioch uh, to kind of check this out for himself. Verse 23, when he arrived and he saw the grace of what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He, Barnabas, was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit in faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Antioch becomes the sending church in the New Testament. Paul's missionary endeavors that we'll read about starting next week, most of them launch out of Antioch, right? So there's, there's, there's disciples that are being made. There's missionaries being sent. There's churches that are being started and raised up as a result of, of those that said, as we go, we're going to live out our identity as apostles. We are going to go on mission, go filled with the Spirit to do the things that Jesus did and to say the things that Jesus said, right? We're going to trust him and we're going to go. And everywhere they went, they talked about Jesus and they shared the word and it spread and it multiplied and, and millions and millions of people came to Jesus. Throughout history, billions of us have come to know Christ and it stems back to this, it stems back to the Acts 8 moment. Are, we, are they going to play it safe and just stay in the bubble, or will they go? Sometimes we go and we choose to go, and sometimes if we refuse to go, God sort of pushes the deal a little bit. He gives us a Jonah moment, like, okay, well, if you want to go in the belly of a fish for three days, get spit up, and then get, have another opportunity, that's, that's your call. <laughs> I mean, but it's, it's, a, it's like a Jonah. Like, sometimes he turns up the heat and then sends us out, but either way, he, man, he's looking and longing to have his followers move from disciple to apostle, to live out the mission of Jesus. Our prayer, my prayer, the reason we're doing this series in the first place is that we would say yes, right? That we would be like, God, I'm in, right? That we would, and kind of the application we've been doing, it's, it's the same throughout all of it, but starting out, just opening up God's book and reading through Acts with us. If you haven't started, why don't you start now? <laughs> There's still time. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing we're reading five chapters a week, one per day of the work week kind of thing. This week we're doing 16 through 20. If you're going to go uh, flip forward a couple slides. <laughs> yeah. So read five chapters and just start reading. And, and just, again, it's not, a, it's not for information, but, but sort of as a way to say, God, how are you speaking to me as we read through this? What do you want to do in me? How do you want me to live? And then as you read through, just kind of let the Holy Spirit speak to you and then look for opportunities to put it into practice this week. The second thing we've been saying is, man, would you, would you spend a little time, uh, there you go, uh, looking for ways to, to be, actually be a witness. Pray for those opportunities, but then look, open your eyes and look, are there ways that the Holy Spirit is prompting you this week, today, tomorrow, the next day, prompting you to actually be a witness for Jesus? It can look like lots of different things. It can look like talking, talking to your coworker. I, one of the things I mentioned uh, last week is, or two weeks ago, I don't know, sometime, but, but the book of Acts actually ends abruptly, right? It's, a, it's sort of like you're reading along, you're like, oh, this is awesome. You flip the page, you're like, oh, that's, that's it. And, and, and scholars think that part of the reason why is because the book of Acts is still being written because the Holy Spirit is still moving and using his church, right, to move his mission forward in this world. And one of the questions I just keep, keep asking is, as if we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and we start following where he leads, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool? I mean, again, this is a little uh, a little made up or whatever, but wouldn't it be cool if you got a mention in the book of Acts chapter 120? <laughs> like, like, yeah, and then Jody, full of the Holy Spirit, right, went, went to work one day and got a chance to say the things that Jesus said and do the things that Jesus did, and as a result, the word of God spread. The number of disciples increased in a great number of people. I mean, would that be awesome? Like, or, or Aaron, filled with the Holy Spirit, got sent in to, to uh, the school in Washington to be a light there, to say the things that Jesus said, to do the things that Jesus did. And as a result, the word of God spread, right? The number of disciples increased and those that, be, that became obedient to the faith multiplied. Like, how amazing would that be? Or at Bradley or at pick a, pick a spot in your neighborhood or at Crest Corporation or at CAT or at 
wherever it is that you live, wherever it is you work, as you go along, what if we were to start opening ourselves up, praying every morning before our feet hit the floor, God, would you fill me today? Would you use me to be your witness? Open my eyes to see the opportunities you're giving me and give me boldness and courage, send send signs and wonders, whatever. Let the world see and know Jesus today through me. Would you shine through me like Stephen, right? Would you, would you give me boldness and wisdom like still to live for you, to see, you with me? To see the mission move. I can keep going anyway. Let's, next one. Uh, we've just been saying, would you, would you start out your days praying that way as well? Just praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me today? Man, I leak and I get empty. I get so focused on myself, my safety, my family, all, all this kind of stuff. Would you help me to see with your eyes? Would you give me boldness to step out and to follow where you lead? And then the last one is we're just saying, in the same way that Michelle uh, texted that thing to me, would you be on the lookout for how the Holy Spirit's leading and speaking and guiding and transforming and doing miracles even in our midst? And would you be willing to share? Because I, I just think, man, that that bolsters our faith corporately together is man i i see you know michelle do that i'm like man i want more of that and you i mean then i hear mark's story and i want to you know like it it spurs us on to live our lives on mission amen okay that was weak amen all right stand up we're gonna pray and uh and yeah and then we've got a, a closing song but even while you do, if you're comfortable, would you just kind of open up your hands like this just before you, just as a way to say, God, I surrender to you. Would you, would you come and fill me and lead me and guide me? We need you. Just kind of take a second before we pray here and just listen even for something, if the Holy Spirit wants to say something to you this morning. Father, I thank you that, that uh, your book of Acts is still being written. I thank you that you have a part for each one of us to play. And Father, I pray uh, today, even just as a result of Acts chapter 8 and, and the rest, but that you would spur us on, that we would move from, um, I don't know, just our, our comfort zones into the calling that you have for us. I pray that you would move us from, from safety and comfort and everything else into the realm of your spirit, into the realm uh, of faith, the realm in which you are calling your church out. Lord, we come together, we do come together to, to be filled and to, to soak in your peace and in your presence. But I pray, Lord, right now, would you fill us with an extra portion of your spirit? Would you fill us to overflowing, filled with the Holy Spirit? Would you send us out, God, today? as your apostles, as people that are sent out on mission. God, would you, would you lead and guide our steps? Would you open our eyes to see the opportunities that you give us? And would you give us boldness to follow where you lead? We pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, God, here in our lives, in our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our community, and our world to the ends of the earth how we need you, how we long for you. Lord, I pray that you just embolden us now as we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, this is the time in our service we typically uh, give to the Lord our tithes and offerings. It's part of our worship. It's part of how we say, God, we honor you with all that we are. And so if you are here today and want to give to the Lord, there's an offering box in back. You can put your offering uh, 